Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. And welcome to another episode of Glass Half Full, a podcast and a safe platform where we talk with a variety of teachers, entrepreneurs, spiritualists, uplifters, givers, shakers, and serenaders. Everyone has a lesson to learn and a lesson to share. Let's use our life experiences to enrich someone's heart, mind, spirit, and soul. Through sharing our experiences, we can be a learning inspiration for one another. I'm your host, Chris Levins. Let's welcome today's guest. Today's guest is Vincent Infante. Vincent Infante has over a decade of experience in mental health, worked with thousands of people, as well as a former FDNY firefighter, and currently a psychotherapist and master mindset coach, helping people achieve mastery over their mindsets to live a more aligned and powerful life. Let's give a warm welcome to Vincent Infante. Well, thanks for having me, Chris. Yes, good morning. Good morning to you. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I can't complain. It's been a it's been a great morning so far, and now we're here. Yes, and we are here. Thank you so much for taking some time out to be a guest here on Glass Half Full. We're so happy to have you today. Can you tell yeah, everyone? I'm, I'm sorry. Yes. Look, me too. Me too. <laughs> Tell everyone where you are in the world and what time it is, please. Uh, so I am in New York City, and it is 10 a.m. Yes, good old New York. We love it. We love it. Well, we're going to jump right on in. I like to ask all my guests this first question. I believe that our lives are in spiritual design. Can you share your life layout or blueprint with everyone? This is how you grew up where your family lifestyle mm -hmm. so i grew up well i've been in new york my whole life and i have an older brother and i have my mom and dad i went to i guess what i went to a few public schools i went to a catholic high school <laughs> and i definitely had a really interesting experience growing up i think that there was a lot of things that i had to overcome so I had to overcome a diagnosis of depression, anxiety, panic disorder, a lot of suicidal ideation, uh, some self-harm tendencies. So there was a lot of there was a lot of challenges growing up. But as I got older, I started to learn ways to overcome these feelings, ways to distance myself from the diagnosis. In fact, just ditch the diagnosis altogether, create a more powerful and aligned identity for myself and you know, who I wanted to become. Mm -hmm. I have a bachelor's in psychology, a master's in social work with a focus on doing clinical social work. So that that is more in the realm of one-to-one -one psychotherapy. Okay. And I eventually, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out where I really fit and where I wanted to be. So that led me to explore many different avenues in, in the world of, of psychotherapy. And I was an inpatient, outpatient, hospital clinics, homeless shelter, uh, private practice, Department of Education. I did applied behavioral analysis. I was a traveling home therapist at one point. And so I, I tried all these things and I started feeling like therapy wasn't really the the way to go to to help people anymore. And I, I got very 
disenfranchised with, with therapy as a practice. And so I started looking into coaching and I saw that coaching was actually really, really awesome. And then I thought that there's a piece missing from coaching, just like there's a piece missing from therapy. And I, and I found that uh, both of those things are the missing peaches, pieces to each other. So I set out to create a, a very unique hybrid service, combining aspects of therapy, mentoring, and coaching. And that's that's what I'm pretty much doing up to my present day right now. I, I'm really working on bringing a new form of transformative mental health to the world. And uh, that's that's my passion and my mission right now. Mm, I love it. I love it. And are you, do you have any, are you married? Do you have children? Do you have a cat? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I have, uh, I have a girlfriend okay. and I have a 14 month old daughter. Oh, congratulations. Oh, you're a new dad. <laughs> Let me give you a little of this. <laughs> wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, she, she's the greatest thing ever, man. So she's, she's the love of my life. Uh, she is man what she's a whirlwind like crazy right like just having having a kid and so i i i don't just do my my coaching business i also have another business and i'm i'm working on acquiring a third business and so having a few businesses and and doing a lot of different things and then being a new dad has been it's been one hell of an experience <laughs> wow sound well i mean being a new dad in itself that's you know, that definitely, <laughs> there's no rule book on that. You know, you just got to go with the flow of things. So definitely. Oh, yeah. oh nice, yeah. nice, nice. Well, it's nice to ha have a full time. You have, a <laughs> you got a lot going on for you. Definitely. In all oh, yeah. of this, how do you maintain good mental health? Do you do, do you I have put... some type of daily routine or is there something that you're mm. doing constantly to... Make sure that you're okay since you're giving a lot to other people. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people don't really understand this concept, but I'm also I'm I'm very selfish when and I put me first in the sense where um, you know, so many people have almost a martyrdom mentality of if I do so much for everybody else, that's good and, and right. And and they wind up depleting themselves and mm -hmm. they wind up not getting things done for themselves. And then what eventually happens is it leads to a burnout or it leads to snappiness to those around you or it leads to resentment because you feel like you have no time and everybody's constantly asking because people are always going to ask from you. Mm. And so I'm very, I'm very uh, in alignment with if you've ever been on an airplane that you're supposed to secure your mask before anybody else's. <laughs> and I live my life that way, I believe. <laughs> I love it. I love right? it. Yes, that's it's what they important. say. Right, though, because you can't help nobody if you can't, if you're not alive. So, right. <sighs> and so I'm, I'm very strict with my regiments and my routines. I wake up, I journal. I also get up early because a lot of, a lot of people don't do that and then they complain that they have no time right and so hmm. i get up before my girlfriend and my kid and i'll wow that's saying a lot and... if the baby is you waking up before the baby wow yeah well you know you, you gotta you like people people like to embrace the excuse that there's no time and and that's such uh that's such a lie and it's something <laughs> that so many people fall into and so many people believe and it's like okay well here's the thing right everything is sacrificed so yeah i'm gonna go to bed earlier because I'm going to wake up earlier. And so I'm going to miss out on things at night, like going out with friends or events or parties or whatever the case is. And I, I don't really care that much, right? Because 
the things I'm working towards are more important. And and people don't want to do that. They don't want to miss out on those things. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, well, I have no time to do the other stuff. And so that's why I get up early. I get up early so that I could journal. I could take my morning supplements. I could do my whole morning regimen. I could get ready for the day. I can spend time showering, doing my hair, like actually being a presentable human, right? Mm-hmm. And then I drive my girlfriend and my kid to the to the ferry. They take a ferry to 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 the daycare and and, and her job. And wow. then I straight after that, I go to the gym and I have a very strict like no no clients, no meetings, no podcasts, no nothing before 10 a.m. Hmm. And I'm actually going to start pushing that even later because I want more time now. So I set my schedule to be what I want it to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm very I'm very strict on it. it has to it has to happen. Wow. Well, I mean, ideally, if you can, it sounds like it's a healthy regimen. The fact that you're getting up early, they say you can get a lot of things done if you get up early. Um, oh, yeah. Know, so and it's true. You feel like, wow, it seems like it should be like afternoon because I've done so much stuff, but it's still morning, <laughs> you know. So yeah. that's great that you're able to use the time wisely for yourself. Nice. 100%. I wanted to ask you, how would you explain anxiety? And part B of that question is, I want to know, is there a way that we can beat it or turn it off or or put it at a halt? What's your opinion so, about that? Anxiety, like, here, here's one of the interesting things, right? So I, I've worked with a bunch of people, and it's always funny because I think people have this conception that you could just stop feeling emotions. And they're like, I don't get why, after I'm putting in the work, I still feel anxiety. And I'm like, well... Because it's a freaking emotion. Like, you're going to feel it. You can't just shut off emotions, right? Mm-hmm. The, the thing about the work that we do in, in self-development and practice of, of growing, right, is is just being able to build awareness, gain a new skill set, a new tool set, and come out of things quicker. So instead of suffering from anxiety for hours, you feel it for a few minutes or a little while, and it's not a persistent problem. Mm-hmm. That's what you get. It's not that you could ever stop feeling it because every emotion has a purpose. They all have positive intent, even the things that people might perceive as negative. So one of the things I do is I like to train people out of the thought process that there are negative emotions because there's not. Every emotion has a positive intent behind it mm-hmm. and a purpose and a rationale. What anxiety is is anxiety is a perception of a threat in your immediate environment. We have used anxiety, our, our ancestors specifically, and, and even us today, have used anxiety to determine how should we go about navigating you know, this area. Is, is this an, a place where we're going to need to fight for our lives? Is this something we need to run away from? Is it more beneficial to stay frozen here? Right? It's fight, fight, uh, fight, flight, or freeze. It's the response that allows us to determine how we need to currently operate to survive this immediate threat in the environment. You don't want to turn that off. Mm-hmm. You just want to learn what's triggering you. And so the biggest tool is understanding, one, what anxiety is, which is what I just described, and then, two, looking for what is it in this environment or this immediate situation that's causing me to feel what I'm feeling? And then break it down into those three ways. Do I feel like I have to fight? Do I want to flight? Or do I need to freeze? And then what is that response telling me? Like, why am I choosing that response? And a lot of the times that's where people get caught up is an unchallenged thought is a thought you can't change. 
So being able to challenge your thoughts when you're feeling anxious and being able to give yourself clarity is one of the biggest tools you could utilize. Mm. Just sit there with yourself and even maybe write it down. I always recommend, like I've I've been someone who's had lots of racing thoughts in my life, especially as someone who who had a lot of anxiety at one point, and I, I really don't experience much anymore. But I've I've learned that the best thing to do when you have those racing thoughts is like just sit down and, and write them out real quick. Get them get them out of your head and onto paper so that you can actually sit there and kind of and and just pick it apart. Because if it's floating around your head, you you have no structure. You can't really challenge it very well. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I always tell people, just write out. Like if you have a notepad, write it in pen or paper. If you don't have that, do the next best thing. Put Everybody has a phone nowadays. Put it in your phone notes and just start dissecting that. And, and that's how you can really start beating your anxiety. Because if you allow your anxiety to run away with you, you will. Uh, you will freaking run really far with it because it will take you down a loop. And so it is your challenge to actually look at that, stop the loop, Break that cycle, challenge the thoughts, and then the last piece to to bring it all home is ask yourself, what would you like to experience in this moment? So many people are keen on saying, I don't want to feel anxious. But what you're doing by doing that is you're calling more anxiety to you because you're making yourself more aware of it. You're saying anxious. You're saying, I don't want to feel anxious. But if you notice, you still have anxious in the word. Mm-hmm. You still have anxious in your thought process. You still have anxious and anchored into your subconscious. So instead of saying, I don't want to feel anxious, you start saying, I would like to feel peace in this I moment. Want to have calm, or I would like yeah. to feel happy. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And so now you're programming your mind to look for that instead of looking for anxiety. And then, then, then you just start taking those steps towards what will make me feel the thing I want to experience mm-hmm. instead of the thing I don't want to. Hmm. Yeah, being able to, in that moment, to be able to, like you say, if you have the tools to be able to use, you're able to go in, like you say, face it, you know, and try to say what it is that you do want to have, right. you know. And, right. you know, I have heard someone say, it might have been Oprah, somebody was saying on one of their shows about, you know, even though you are tired, you're like, oh, I'm so tired, or oh, I'm this, and then all of a sudden we are even more tired. You know, so yeah. it's just turning it around as well, being, you know, saying, hey, I'm more energized or I'm, you know, I'm feeling refreshed. So I yeah. feel like we have to be careful about the things that we are are saying as well and how we're thinking in that, our word patterns, for sure. Oh, 100%. Yes. Nice. I like the, the anxiety three, the FFF. <laughs> <laughs> the That's FFF. It. Yes. Good yes. Nice. Nice. I want to change a little bit and I want to talk about um, what is a growth mindset? Okay. So a growth mindset is the opposite of a fixed mindset. And I think to know what a growth mindset we truly is, is so we, need the, we, need, we need to know what that fixed mindset okay, is. Okay. Take so, us there. Take us back. Take us there for the fix. We'll take it there because I think a lot of people might be struggling with a fixed mindset. Now, Here's something that's interesting too that I've seen, you know, again, I've worked with thousands of people over over a decade of of experience here. And what I've seen is that people really compartmentalize mindsets. Some people have a growth mindset when it comes to business and a fixed mindset in relationships. Mm. Some people have a growth mindset when it comes to gaming and a fixed mindset when it comes to their ability to generate income. And so I found this so interesting because it's it's really crazy. So let's talk about the tail. A fixed mindset is 
when you really don't believe that there is possibility to overcome your current struggle, where things can only be done one way, and if it doesn't work that one way, there's no other way to do it, and that's it. It is just doomed to fail. There is very little room for creativity or expression. There is a lack of desire to put in effort, energy, and work towards what you would like to achieve, believing that there is a level of incapability towards it because it's not working the way you're comfortable with it working. Mm -hmm. A growth mindset is virtually the opposite of that. We don't see problems in a growth mindset. We see challenges and opportunities. We see that there is always a way to solve a problem. There's always an answer. It's just a matter of effort which will be rewarded later. Hmm. Uh, there is this understanding that everything can be a opportunity to learn or to grow yourself or to grow your business or grow anything. That nothing ever has to mean no, as long as you're willing to put in the effort and the work to really figure out the, the nuances that drive success in whatever you're working towards. Hmm. Nice. Nice. And so you said that most people are splitting like one way in a fixed mindset and another way in a growth mindset. Is that, yes, is that I, most I've common? That. Do you I, I think that, so I, th I work with, at least for my current clientele, right? My current clientele, I would describe them as high performers. They are all entrepreneurs, C-suite individuals, people that are performing at higher than average levels. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these people being able to do that tend to have these split mindsets because they believe, so if I want to be X level of successful, I cannot have this relationship, right? Like I can't get into an intimate relationship because I can't give them the time, the energy, the effort. Mm -hmm. And some people might be like, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, of course that's true. And they'll validate that, but I wouldn't because... I see people who are wildly successful that also have wildly successful relationships. Hmm. And it's just a matter of the, the problem that tip, typically comes up is a lot of these entrepreneurs or these high performers spend so much time, energy, and effort on their job, let's just say, or their company, that then when it comes to relationship and there's an issue in the relationship, if it's not an easy fix, they don't want to put in the energy or the effort to fix it. And so they're like, this is impossible. I can't stay in a relationship. She's just, you know, she's just too much for me. And it's like, is she? Or is it that you <laughs> believe she's too much because you just want it to be fixed with an, you know, with a simple X, Y, and Z? And also it's a level of control, right? When you run a business, the business is winning or failing by your hands. Amen. When you're in a relationship, it is winning and failing by both people. Yes. So you can only control your side and a lot of people don't necessarily want to own their stuff and then they'll make excuses. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, she's unreasonable. It's like, why is she unreasonable? Well, because, you know, she she said that she wants to spend time with me and I'm busy on my business. It's like, well, why can't you spend some time with her? It's like, well, because then the business starts failing. It's like, but does it? Does it really? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Yeah, let's it's like and what is the truth of the matter? Like let's get to the real truth of it, you know. If you don't really want to yeah. spend time with her, then let's not put the business and drag the business name into it either. You know, <laughs> just own up to your own truth. But yeah, no, that's it makes sense. It makes sense what you're saying. So, yeah. what is the victim mindset? I mean, I could probably guess it, but we want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I mean, I could give you the firsthand experience. I lived in victim mindset like most of my childhood. And oh, wow. The, the, 
Well, maybe ch- childhood to, to teen years to early 20s, right? Like I was, a, I was a victim for quite a good amount of time. And wow. the victim mindset places all responsibility and blame on everyone but yourself. Mm-hmm. So whatever's going on in the world, however people are responding to you or all anything, anything at all, it, it falls onto that. So I got bullied a lot. And the victim mindset would say, well, I can't be happy because I'm getting bullied. And the victim mindset would say, well, you know, until I can get out of this school, I can never find happiness. Or the victim mindset would say, you know, I'm getting bullied, so nobody nobody cares about me. And it just, it has such a, has such an unadmirable, self-pitying, like, just way about it that you can't even overcome it, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're not taking any type of responsibility. Like, though you might be being bullied, how can you view that? In fact, can yeah. you do something to change it? Can you go take self-defense courses? Can you ask your parents to switch out your school? Can you tell your parents what's going on? And yeah, say, did hey, they listen, know? I would Look, I was over here ready to ask, like, did the family know? Did yeah. the school know what was going on? You know. Well, so, I mean... That's one of the interesting nuances. So my mom was always a, a very bit of an overprotective mom. So I stopped telling her things because she would take it upon herself doing a mother's knows best kind of deal. And so I got bullied my whole life. I, you know, I was getting really? bullied early, as early as like fourth, fourth grade, third grade, maybe even earlier. And I, I mean, probably even as early as kindergarten when I think what? back to it. But now, wait, can you explain yeah. what type? Of, what are we talking about? Bullying, like people ask taking your money. Like, what is what's happening? Oh man, I mean, we could just go. Oh, I mean, it's a lot of things. Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, got it. I mean, dude, I've been, I've, I've been wow. getting bullied. It's like kindergarten to to uh, literally senior year of college. Uh, not senior what? college. Sorry, senior year of high school. Senior year of high school. Oh my gosh! So it. It really, you know, it, it it taught me that I can't really tell anyone because there are times where, I, for instance, I told the dean one time about this story where I I got thrown down the steps by this kid. And I told the dean, I said, you know, hey, this kid threw me down the steps. And he goes, well, what happened? I said, well, you know, I, I've been getting bullied a lot. And so I started taking uh, self-defense classes mm. and my sensei told me I needed to learn to stand up for myself. And so... You know, he said, if a kid, if a kid challenges you, like, you know, just stand, stand your ground. And so when this kid came up to me, he's like, hurry up and move down the steps. You know, he called me a retard. And I was like, I'll go. I was like, I'm, I'm going when I'm ready. And then he's like, no, you're going to go now. And then he threw me down the steps. Right. And so I'm telling the dean this story. And I told the dean this story. And he's like, okay, I see what's happening here. So he calls a meeting with the principal. We get there. We sit down with the principal. The principal's like, hey, so, you know, what happened? So the dean goes, well, I'll tell you. Well, this tough guy over here started taking uh, self-defense classes and thought he was going to antagonize this kid. And I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then the bully had a friend with him. So the kid, so his friend, of course, was a witness, right? Which, which this is always so stupid. It's like, if these kids are friends, why would he even have a, right? Like, why yeah, exactly. would you assume that kid's a good witness? So that kid was like, yeah, you know, he started everything. So now it's a two against one. The dean is a three against one. And it looked like, now, mind you, I'm this short little kid. That kid that threw me down the steps was like, I don't know, man. In, in sixth grade, he was like almost six feet. I'm oh this gosh. short kid who's like barely five foot. It's like, you really think I'm trying. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, exactly. You really think I'm bullying this kid, right? And so 
it turned into, you know, hey, don't don't antagonize other kids. And like, I don't want to see this again. If anything happens, you're all suspended. And, uh, you know, it's it's I learned you can't really tell teachers or anybody else. And when I would tell my mom about things, she would want to call the school and she would call the school and the parents. And and then nothing happens because you know how it is when you call the school and they're like, well, we didn't see it. So we can't do anything about it. And mm-hmm. now the kid's pissed because his parents got a call that he's being a bully. Mm-hmm. But of course, nothing's proven. So nothing happened to him. And now he's pissed at you and you get it worse. And so I just learned, you know, I'm not going to tell anybody what's going on because it doesn't work out for me. It actually makes my life worse. So <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to hear that. What, it's like, oh, my nah, God, it's OK. That's OK. I mean, it's unfortunate. Mm. That's kind of how it goes. Right. But I think looking back on it. Perhaps some of the things that I could have done to resolve it was maybe learned a bit better in self-defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two was maybe have a more private conversation with with me, my my mom or my dad, and just be like, "Listen, I don't want you guys to call. I don't want to speak to. I don't want you to speak to anyone. I would like to just look into transferring schools. Uh, this is what's going on, and if you call, it's going to be worse." Yeah. Now, of course, if 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 I could give a piece of advice, and and you have any parents listening, and maybe that kid's going through this. Don't try to kind of do like, I think my mom tried to play the hero. Like, don't try to play the hero. You can't spare your kids from the hardships of life. And if you call in or you try to support your son or your daughter or defend their lives, you're going to make their lives worse. Just trust that your kid knows what's best for them sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, especially when it comes to, you know, some of their well-being in life. And I think that would have been something that would have been uh, more helpful for me, too. Now, do you think now that you are a father and the love of mm. your life, if she yep. comes home and says she's getting bullied, do you I'm think that someone. you see this is it, right? You feel like you on your way up to the school. She ain't even finished the sentence. You out at the car. Like, come on, get in. Get in here. <laughs> like, which one is it? Like, you know, but this is it, right? So it's hard to say that as a parent. I'm not a parent, but I have nieces that I love and I would flip out if I had to. You know, but I can't even imagine like you come home to you and say this to your child, you you know, your child says this to you. It's pretty hard not to feel like you don't want to help them. You know, you want to make it better. So I get it. But it's harder said than done. Most definitely. (laughs) I, I agree. I've been putting in practice, right, like to actually do what I'm saying. So, Mm. you know, my my daughter for instance, the other day, like she fell down. She got probably the worst cut she's ever had in her oh. young life. Oh. Well, you know, I mean, listen, it's going to happen, isn't it? it of it course. Now, what, like you, you know? well, I, we don't know how deep it is. Was it just a scrape? Like she's still a baby. So. No, so, so, so she, she just started like kind of getting her teeth in, and okay, she was, she was running, and she tripped, and she oh, hit gosh. her, her mouth on the corner of a piece of furniture. Mm the tooth like cut her her lip open she's gushing gushing blood out of her mouth and she was in tons of pain she was crying and she was screaming and all that good stuff and uh you know i mean listen i i comforted her i was there but did did you cry (laughs) (laughs) but i i also i also didn't do the overreaction thing where like you know, my girlfriend was home. She's like, oh, my God, you see, you see, if I was watching her, I could have avoided that and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm like, you can't you can't stop her from living like she was running. She tripped. What would you have stopped her from running? Yeah. Like, would you have 
have stopped her from experiencing and living life. Here's what we could do. We can't stop her from doing that. Mm -hmm. But what we can do is if she falls, we could help her up. Yeah. And I said, that, that's how I intend to parent because I don't want my daughter not to experience hardships because I know hardship is extremely important. Mm-hmm. I will be there to support her anytime she falls, but I will also let her fall because she has to. Hmm. Nice. And you guys yeah. can get some corners for the side tables, you know, those corners for the babies. So when they fall, they. Yeah, we got one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm like, y'all need some more of them corner yeah. bumpers on <laughs> around the house. <laughs> We got it. It wasn't, sure. but you know what it was? It wasn't. It wasn't like the corner corner. It was. Um, maybe I said the wrong word. It was. A, it was an edge. Like, oh, okay. It, you know, the piece of furniture just has like a long side to it, and she okay. just hit herself on the side. Like, oh, we would need a pool noodle for that thing. <laughs> oh my gosh, poor thing. I'm sure she was more shocked than anything. Like, what is going on? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like sensations, feelings. You know, like whoa. You know, but I agree as the parent, like they will react more if you flip out, you know? Yes. So if you can kind of maintain a little bit to just keep them calmer, you know? And, and I believe too, again, like I said, is it's important to teach that it is okay to be hurt. Like Mm. it is important. I am, I think I've become a pretty great person. (laughs) I'd like to to believe that. Yeah, come on. Yes, you are. You can say it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I I really do a lot to help others. And I really feel like I have a a very good heart. Hmm. And I... I will place a lot of stock in the fact that it's because I've I've suffered a great deal in yes, my life. Of course. And I want to help others because of that. And I don't believe it's made me a worse person. I think it's made me better. So I see the value in going through hardship and having these moments where you have to experience it so that you can make a better choice with your own life. And, and you have the potential and the opportunity to grow over from these things. And yes. and that's what I do want for my daughter. I don't, I don't want her to have a terrible life, but I want her to not have a life of ease so that she is ready for life as it comes at her. Hmm. That's honest. That's honest and true. And it's true. Like yeah. you, we can't shape things are going to happen. Like you say, so we can just be prepared to be there to support and help um, and make understanding of why maybe things have happened or why this has presented itself for an understanding Correct. for it. So nice. Well, you on the, y'all on the right way as new parents. Right, man. We'll see when they look, we'll, we'll see how it happened when she gets to two. And when she's a teenager, if these still stick, <laughs> <laughs> if dad is still feeling the same way for sure. Say, you gotta follow the story, man. I post about my daughter a decent amount on my Instagram. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, now that we are in that exchange, I will be able to find out about her. So that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I want to ask you, who is around you that keeps you motivated? Oh, man. Uh, like everybody. <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay. For example. I, uh, I've, yeah, I've I've done a lot of work on my circle. I don't keep anyone around if if I don't think they're doing anything cool in life. Mm. So I have my mentor. He's really he's really inspiring. He's he's a great guy to me. Um, I have let's see, I have a lot of really awesome friends. I have a friend who runs a really big marketing company. I have a friend who's like the biggest socialite uh, I've ever met, and <laughs> like people absolutely. Nah, man, it's crazy. He has. He has 23,000 people on his email list and he got every email in in person. 
That's how he got all of those emails. Wow. Like, yeah, he met 20, 23,000 people and collected their emails. I was like, you're a crazy person, but I love it. Wow. That's um, <laughs> full on. Okay. Yeah. And he then a party. Uh, that's a it. Lot of, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's awesome, man. He's, he's definitely, um, he's definitely in, in a goal for being a social person. I'll tell you that. Nice. And, and then a bunch of my friends, we all have different different business ventures together, whether I've invested in their company or we're doing something together or we're in business together or we bought a business together. And so I, I would really say pretty much everyone in my circle inspires me. And that's actually a qualification to be called my friend at this point. If you don't inspire me, I do not want to be your friend. Mm. I've come to be very strict with my circle because of the fact that your circle determines a lot of the trajectory you have in life. Mm-hmm. And too many people aren't doing anything. And uh, I, I don't have time for people who have, I don't know, who don't make time to do things with their lives. Hmm. <laughs> Understandable. And look, we have that power to choose, right? You don't have to be involved with it, right? So it's nice when oh, yeah. you're able to say, hey, this is not what I'm trying to be hanging around with, or this is not what I want representing me. You know, and sometimes people forget they have that choice. I'm like, well, why are you dealing with that? You know, <laughs> why are you hanging you know? around with them? You know, like I'm, I'm confused. Yeah. Like, well, what's going on? Yeah, we choose to decide who's around and people that we hang around, and their representation of us, good or bad, birds yeah. of a feather. Well, you know what's crazy? You know what's crazy? I want, I want to add something to that. I because I've, I've met people that they feel they have such responsibility to people because they've been in their lives. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't feel that at all. I've yeah, terminated chips that were 10 plus years mm-hmm. in a matter of because I was just like, you know what? I just don't value what you're doing. Yeah. I don't value who who you've become or and you don't value active. me in some form of fashion. Yeah. That's why I got to let this go. And that's go. it. Yep. 100%. And and people people feel I mean, I guess they feel bad about it and that's fine and all, but you have to remember, like, your life is your life. Mm. If you have friends right now, like, if someone's listening to this and, and people are popping into your mind that you maybe on a regular day complain about, that you maybe feel like, why do they do this? Or, like, if you have people in your life that are like that and you're still choosing to keep them there, you 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 are not allowed to complain about them anymore. You got to stop it <laughs> because it's your choice. You don't get to complain about the choices you're making and then the results you're getting, right? Like people so be like, true. why do I have such terrible friends? And it's like, what do you mean? Why do you have terrible friends? You choose them. They're your friends. You even call them friends. That's why you have them. Like, <laughs> I don't want to hear you complain about it. <laughs> it's true, right? Then keep your mouth shut, right? Don't even yeah. speak about it. Exactly. <laughs> That's so hilarious. You're right, though. You're right. You're right. Can I ask you, what has been your greatest awakening? Man, uh, my daughter's been one of them, honestly. Really? She, yeah. Yeah. What I did mean, it awaken in you? Or what did it awaken? It, I, I think in, in me, it definitely... It definitely created a lot more awareness. Uh, So the coolest thing about having a child, I mean, there's so many actually, but one, one of the, one of the biggest things is, so if you're, whether you're a spiritual person or not, I feel like everybody could resonate this, resonate with this, whether they believe in God, the universe or nothing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) When you have a kid, when you have a kid, 
and you finally like have that moment where you just see them and and maybe it's after all the goopy stuff is cleaned off of them or at least it was for me i didn't the goopy stuff i was like yeah <laughs> that ain't my baby but you know because because they kind of as soon as they come out they're like goopy and swollen they kind of look like java the java the hunt <laughs> like slimier and so after that <laughs> after that kind of settled off now we're in the hospital room and and you know we get her back and she's got the little hat and and she looks like a <laughs> with, the, with a blanket and we get her back and i'm looking at her and it was a instant awakening of my my realization of my soul in another person. Now, oh, wow. there's other ways to do this because a lot of people have come to this understanding of of we are all one when they do deep meditation and they really connect to the universe and they they dive into those spiritual components. Mm-hmm. Or you just have a damn kid because you really <laughs> do realize like I made that freaking thing. Like I literally played God and created a life. Like that's fascinating. Mm. And then you see yourself because, you know, at least for me, right, she is a combination of me and my girlfriend. Like that is my DNA. That is like literally I look at her face. I'm like, she looks like me. Like that's Mm. that's literally me. And well, they so, see the girls, the daddy. You know, you can always tell if that's if that's the daddy or not. Like, yeah, it's true. <laughs> like the the women usually look like the father a bit. Like the gene is usually strong enough to be like, hey, that's definitely. <laughs> I hope she doesn't have my giant nose receding hairline. So well, look, and if she does, that's your baby. That's it. That's it. That if we got wigs does, and everything. <laughs> hair transplants, I'll tell you. But <laughs> I would say, you know, that that instant awakening was one really big thing that that awoken me. And number two was for anyone who has a child, I think that and and I used to have parents tell me, you'll see when you have a kid. You'll see, you'll see. And I'm very happy for a lot of the you'll see crap they threw my way, that I could say that they are wrong and they are selfish people. Hmm. Because when you have a kid, your desires shouldn't just be doing whatever you feel like as if you didn't have a kid. As if you have time to sit there and binge Netflix and play video games 30 hours a week. As if you have the time to be less than you're capable of. Hmm. Your kid is watching you. You have a damn duty. You have a kid, you better move. You better start showing the world what you're made of. You better start becoming your best self because that kid is going to model their life after how they observe you live yours. And so when I get these parents, or at least when I used to get these parents, and they used to tell me, well, gee, Vin, you don't really know what you're talking about because you don't have a kid. And I would say, well, I don't have a kid, but I feel like if you really want more out of life, you could find the time. And they're like, no, you'll see once you have a kid. I'm like, okay. Well, now I have a kid and I could tell you they're all wrong and they're full of crap. The problem is, is that they don't want to put in the effort to become more because that's what a kid challenges you to do. Hmm. A kid challenges you to be more than you currently are. And so when I had my kid, I said, damn, I better cut my crap. If it, you know, I, at a, a certain point I was gaming a bit more than I probably should have. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and I'm, and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, what am I doing with my life, man? I can't have her just watch me like play video games for, for two to three hours a day and just do nothing. Like I need to inspire her. Like I need to show her what's possible in this world. I need to show her she can do and be anything. And and I need to set that example. I don't want other people like don't get me wrong. It's great to have other people like mm-hmm. motivational speakers and all these other amazing people in this world doing amazing things. 
But I want her to not be motivated by Tony Robbins. I want her to be motivated by her dad. Oh, right. Nice. I want her to see her dad and be like, that's my dad. I'm proud of him. In fact, my dad does so much. He's such an inspiration to me. Like I, and, and I believe we could do that. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we look at other people and we do that, right? It's like, oh my God, look at how amazing Tony Robbins is. Oh my God, look at, look at Ed Milet or look at Alex Hormozy. It's like, but if those guys had kids, which some of them do, right? Mm-hmm. You don't think their kid is saying that about them? They're like, yeah, my dad's Tony Robbins. Like, yeah, right. You exactly. know what I'm saying? Why can't I be that for my kid? Mm, I love that. Yeah, why not? Why not? Why not? Did you have why someone not? that you. Did you have this experience when you were growing up at all? Was there somebody that you looked up to, to one of your parents or a teacher? Yeah. Yeah. I had, um, I had a few people. I I really did. I didn't, because I got bullied and I didn't get along with kids. I had a lot of really inspiring adults in my life. So my dad and my mom are two really inspiring adults. Oh, nice. My, my mom raised me and my brother full time. Uh, as well as I raised this full time. She, she was a, she she was a did, housewife? No. So that that's why I had to correct that. She wasn't a housewife. Okay. She Nothing wrong with the so housewives. She, nothing wrong with it. Nothing. No, wrong. there's nothing wrong with that. I, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. But yeah. I want to just highlight how much of a superstar my mom is. Now, she was, um, she was a stay-at-home mom for a very short time while we were really, really young, me and my brother. Mm-hmm. But as, as we got older, she went to school. Full, uh, she went to work full time. She would come home, she would cook dinner, she would help with homework, then she would go to take classes at night to get her master's degree. And then on the weekend, she would maintain the house and do laundry and everything else. And my dad, my dad worked three jobs. He'd be out of the house at like 6 a.m. and get home at 9 p.m. And he was uh, was a dean at a school, a director at a hospital, and started his own psychotherapy private practice. And so... (laughs) Well, it makes sense about, about who you are and all the stuff you are named off. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, my parents were amazing, man. They they showed me effort and hard work. Always always really always really pays off. I and I had a few I had a few really inspiring people. I had a friend John as I was growing up. He was like in his 30s when I was 18 and he taught me a lot about life and he he kind of became almost an older brother to me. Hmm. I had a, a really inspiring teacher and his name was Mr. Baganzi. He was a history teacher and I loved history man so him and I had a lot of great conversations he had a military history club and I was a part of that I, there there uh, I had I had the, the principal of my Catholic high school uh, father paddock at the time he he was really great he he would listen to me he would help me out he'd give me a lot of advice and share a lot of cool stories and and you know I've I've been blessed to even though I didn't get along with kids my age I've been blessed to have uh, amazing adults in my life. And a lot of people as I was growing up would always tell me, you know, you, you seem like you have a lot of wisdom to you. And mm. I never really thought much of it. But as I look back, I, I believe I have to attribute it to the fact that when I was 18, my best friend was 33. Right. Mm. Because I, I didn't get along with, with kids my age. I just didn't, I had very few friends, very, very few. And I spent a lot of time with adults because those were the only people I could really connect with. And so I think I've been blessed to have that. Oh, that's great. (laughs) That's great. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I ask you, how can people gain ownership of their lives? So you cannot 
own anything that isn't yours to own. All right now. Right? (laughs) (laughs) And so when you want to say it's somebody else's fault, well, guess what? You can't own that. Hmm. When you want to say that somebody made you angry, you can't own your anger. When you want to say that you don't know how or you can't make more money because the economy's crappy right now. Well, you can't fix that either. And so it's about finding a level of ownership in every single thing. If we were to use the example, for instance, you're making me angry. Mm-hmm. Well, that's actually not true. There's no, there is no ability for someone to make you angry. What it is, however, is that you have a set of rules in your mind that if they are not followed, the emotion of anger will be triggered and then you will place it on the person who is in the direct vicinity causing you to have these set of rules being broken, which is flaring up your anger. Mm. However, it's still for you to own. It's still for you to ask, huh, why am I feeling angry about this? What does this mean? Why, why is it that, that this specific scenario is creating an emotional reaction of, of anger? And what would actually make this situation change? And, and what can I do right now to gain more control over my emotion, what would be the emotion I would like to experience? Is there a conversation I can have about this? Is there an action I could take? Is there a way I could describe this, develop a better perspective? Is there a better thought process? Is there a better language I could use as I as I talk about this situation? And that's how you start really transferring ownership because I've come to find that there are five aspects of mastery in life. Mm-hmm. And the five aspects of mastery are very, very simple. You can only control in your life your thoughts, your language, your behaviors, your action, and your emotions. Outside of that, you own nothing. So what you want to do is you want to find at least one of those in every situation. And I say at least one because if you find one, you could start searching for two, three, four, and eventually you have five. And then you have full ownership over the situation. Can you repeat those five again? Yes. And so the five are your thoughts your actions, your behaviors, your language, and your emotions. Those five will give you mastery over every situation because those are the only things you can control in every situation. Mm, nice. Wow. Mm. I guess that's true. I mean, ideally, you know, I hadn't thought so deeply into it about the breakdown, but, you know, maybe one of these questions I might have asked, or maybe two, but like, yeah. The language. Okay. I hadn't even thought about that. Mm. Yeah. Well, a lot of a lot of the problems come with the way people describe things. Because the way you're describing things actually sets in motion so many other things. If you say, today's going to be a crappy day. You've mm. set in motion more than you even <laughs> believe. But yeah. that, right? That one, that one piece of language, the only thing that switches, if you said today's going to be a crappy day or today's going to be a great day, that language of switching one word can change the entire trajectory of your day. Mm. Wow. Wow. True. True. And set it off on a positive. I mean, that's such a negative thing to me, right? To start off with something negative to say. It's like, oof. But I know a lot of people who do like at breakfast, you know, they up there kicking rocks. And it's like, dude, you just got out the bed and got something to eat. Like, what are you upset about? You know what I mean? Like, right. why are we brewing this early dude, in the morning? And, and, like, you need a hug, you know, like something. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and so it's so crazy too, because like one of the biggest things that I tell everyone, and, and this is something I make super, super importantly clear to all of my clients or anyone I work with, or even some people I come across that I think could use the advice is like, you are either consciously creating your life or you're passively experiencing it. Mm. And if you are waking up in the morning and your day is already crap, you are passively living life, yes. my friend. Like yep. you have zero control. You just wake up and and you are run by your emotions. And somebody who's run by their emotions is not somebody who is going to have any level of happiness in life because emotions are fickle. They come and go. They fleet. They're they're stirred by every single pot taking a spin. Like there is there is no certainty or comfort in being an emotionally driven person. And I'm not saying that it means you shouldn't have emotions or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It means that you should have a level of ownership and control over your emotions so you can create a life you want to live instead of just experiencing whatever life throws at you. Because if you are highly emotionally driven and nothing else, you are just passively living. You're experiencing anything life has, and and chances are it's not really going to be a good one either. (laughs) Right. That, which is a sad case, which is a sad case, yeah. definitely. Oh, yeah. Ooh. I want to change and ask you what four words come to mind when you think of yourself? Hmm. I'd like to say daring. I'd like to say... <laughs> Wait a minute. You say you'd like to say. So you can say it. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's uh, yeah. going to say oh, that I'd you're like wrong. That. You can, Yeah, you can say it. You can fix the language. So this is it. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I I say I'd like to say it because I I feel like some people would disagree with me, but I I don't care about those people. I'm just saying. Yeah. (laughs) I personally believe. (laughs) That's it. And this is all that matters. Exactly. Yeah. So I I believe I'm daring. Uh, Loving. Hmm. I I say very ambitious. Hmm. And the last one is... I need I need two words for this. I feel like because okay. it, it's a phrase, right? Value driven. Value driven. Yes. Okay. So daring. How do we explain this daring? Meaning, like you'll you'll take the jump. You'll jump over the the riverbed if someone says that they will. Or daring, meaning that you will take the the jump to get on the plane to go and have the retreat in India. What's how does daring? How how do you can you explain that for us? I guess I guess it could be both. If I thought it would be fun to jump over the riverbed, I would try it. If okay, it okay, okay. It. <laughs> <laughs> like if if I'm like that looks really dumb, I'm not doing it. That's different. But okay. if you're like, hey, I dare you to do that, and I'm like, all right, that looks pretty cool. I'll try it. But that, <laughs> that that's not that's not the entire thing though. I would say daring because I look at myself and I'm very, I am I am not. What's the word? I'm not afraid of risk. I'm I'm pretty risk aversive. I take big risks all the time. I love risk. And I think that the greatest rewards in life come from risk. So I am always willing to jump into a fire. And I did that as a firefighter too, right? So yes. I'm literally How awesome was that to be? Thank you for oh saving. For, for being a firefighter. My gosh. This is a pretty this is intense job. Like, There's a lot you guys have to yeah. do. Oh, yeah. Coolest thing ever. But I I believe that my daringness comes in the form that I am willing to chase. I I think maybe this is probably the biggest piece if I had to sum it up. I am willing to chase what I believe in. I had three careers in three years. I became a I I I left my therapy career, you know, at 28, 
became a firefighter at 29 and by 20 and, and by 30 or well not 20 that that wasn't the proper time frame it's 27 28 29 there we go 27 28 29 27 i left my career as a therapist and i had about 10 years in in, in at that point at 28 i had fully you know been in the fire department and at 29 i was fully resigned from the fire department and starting entrepreneurship wow and i've just i've always just followed what i thought was the right path and i'm I don't really care what other people say in that regard. Mm -hmm. And I'm willing to do what I think will really be the best, the best thing. That's all that really matters. Right. In the end of it. Nice. Thank you for giving us the explanation and value driven. Value driven. I I like value driven because I, I look at value driven as kind of like daring a double meaning. So I'm really, I'm really passionate about my own values I believe that my values are something that I want to live in alignment with. Hmm. I believe that they give me great results in life. And I also believe that value, living out your values is a level of leadership. I I talk about self-mastery and I talk about internal leadership because internal leadership is about taking on an identity and seeing who you want to show up as in this life, but you can't do that if you don't have values because your values drive who you are in this life. Mm. So when I talk about value-driven, I, I mean that. And then the second part is I also live life looking for value. I like to provide value to others. I like to help. I want to make a difference in this world. I want to really provide value to the whole planet before I before I pass on and go to whatever's next. And I also really look for people that are doing valuable things to this world. Like I was talking about my quality, my qualification to be a friend. I won't call you my friend if you're not doing things of value. I won't call you a friend if you're not trying to better yourself or live a life of values or provide value. And, you know, at at the same time, I've heard people say, well, that's not really a kind thing to do. And I don't care (laughs) because, because the reality is, this is my life and I know what makes a good life and I know what makes a successful life. And, you know, I like to use this as an example and maybe it'll sound harsh, but let's have Uh-oh. a little fun. All right, New Yorker, let's here we go. What you, what are you going to put on well, this? <laughs> I, I don't listen. I'm willing to always help out and serve people, even if they're not on the same level or doing the same things. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's okay. It doesn't make them bad people. No, I don't think poorly of them. It's just an understanding that I don't want those people in my close personal circle Mm -hmm. because that close personal circle deeply affects me because those are, those are the people I spend a lot of time with. Right. Yes. And I, I've joked around with some of my clients before because trying to make them understand, listen, if you want to go do charity work, you're going to go to the homeless shelter and maybe you'll, you know, you'll give out meals or you'll buy presents or you'll serve them and you'll do it a few times a year. And it feels really good because you're serving people that are underprivileged and, and you're making a difference, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't invite the homeless people back to your house and tell them to come live with you, do you? No. And so, <laughs> and so right. And they're, and they're like, no. I'm like, so you do that whenever you have low quality friends. You mm-hmm. you can go out and you could help others and you could be kind and you don't have to be judgmental and you could help make a difference, but you don't need to be responsible for their well-being and bring them into your circle. Nice. And that's that's how I describe like I want to have value-driven people and I want to live out my values. Mm. Nicely put. Nicely put. 
Yeah, I like that. Value driven and a great explanation. A great explanation. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You touched on success, so I want to ask you, what does success mean to you? Success means a lot of things, I think. I I find that the definition of success also changes as your life changes. Hmm. I I found that success really changed once I had a kid. I thought that success was happiness. I always believed that. Mm -hmm. I thought that success meant a good fat, healthy bank account, you know, getting that bag. Mm -hmm. I, (laughs) I thought, I thought that success meant the million dollar business and all the cool stuff. And, you know, I still do believe those things. I'm I'm still chasing the bag, my friend. And I still am (laughs) trying to build the the big business. And, and I am always a proponent of if it doesn't make me happy, I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. But as I've had a daughter, now I believe success is being a better version of myself, not only for the world, but for, uh, for the cause of setting an example for her. Mm. And I believe success is having a daughter and, and maybe even another kid in the future, but at least for now, having a daughter that is able to live a life of alignment, having a, a powerful, strong family unit, and having uh, just just having the ability to know that I I am influencing the people around me that I really want to influence. Like, hey, listen, I want to impact a billion lives, but if I don't do it, I don't really give a shit because as long as I can impact my daughter's life, I think that's that's worth more than a billion lives. Hmm. It so is. It so is yeah. definitely. Wow, what an awesome answer. Thank you. That was really great. I like to ask this final question to all the guests. Is your glass half empty or half full? Mm. I like to respond that while people are arguing if the glass is half full or half empty, I'm drinking it because I'm the opportunist. All right now. All right now. Look, look. I love this question. It's one of my favorites because people really dazzle me with the answer. You know, that's good. That's good. You are already you're drinking it, honey. While they're they they looking at it. I think mine is half. You we say drooling down the side of the mouth. It's it's going. I love that. I love that. <laughs> but my, to answer your question, not and not ruin the question, <laughs> I I would say my my glass is is half half full, and and if possible, I'd say it's already full. Love it, love it, love it. <laughs> that was so funny. Uh, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? I do. I like to end um, with my favorite quote. It is. Uh, it's by Aristotle, mm. and I've. If 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 anyone listening could really embody this quote, I'll tell you, you'll change you'll change your whole life because life is all about your identity. Who you believe yourself to be is exactly who you are and what you'll have in life. And the greatest quote to illustrate this was by none other than Aristotle, one of the greatest philosophers of his times, and he says. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. If you truly understand that your identity shapes your entirety of your life, because we don't see the world as it is, we see it as we are. If you can truly understand that and come to a place where you ask yourself, who do I want to be? 
and then do that every damn day, you will be that. And your life, your life can be something fascinating and amazing because greatness isn't achieved, it's displayed. It's already within you. You just have to bring it out through those daily habits. You need to do it every single day to show the world that you have that excellence and that that's exactly who you are. Mm. Ooh, so good. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So nice. Very nicely put. Wow. Great, 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 great. Can you tell everyone how they can reach you if they're interested to find out more about you? Yeah, check out my Instagram. That's my my best platform. And I post about my daughter. So you guys will see uh, what dad life is like, as well as other good motivational content and and good you know psych content and their stats and stuff on there. You'll like it. Anyway, it's, it's Instagram, <laughs> is, <laughs> Instagram is at vin.infante. And you could also find me on LinkedIn. It's I believe it's also Vin Infante or Vincent Infante. You'll you'll know it's me if you if you find it because there's only at least as far as I know there's only one of me that's a therapist and, and a coach. And okay. then uh, you could also check out my website, which is www.vincentinfante.life, and there are free resources on there. So I encourage everyone click go to the resource tab. Mm-hmm. You get a free resource. It's uh, I call it a mission board. It's better than a vision board. And it helps you create clarity around the identity you wish to build and who you want to become in this life. And if somebody's really, really ready to start transforming their life, they could book a free gifted consultation call with me and we could discuss what you would like to try and get out of your life and if we'd be a good fit to work together. So that's what I got for you guys. Yes, we love some resources. Everybody loves a resource. I think it's really nice when people give that on the site because, A, it gets people to go there, but it's nice to share a little bit. Folks feel like, you know, everybody's instantly now like, you know, people are charging right away for information. And it's like, you know, a little resource can people feel like, okay, you you know what you're talking about. Like, we have some idea what's going on, you know, what you're saying. So I love that you have some type of resource that we can we can take a look at. That's pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Vin, for being a guest here on Glass Half Full. We are happy that you were able to step in. You dropped a lot of goodies on us. We we had the three Fs, fight, flight, and freeze for that anxiety that we spoke about. We talked about the victim mindset, the fixed mindset, the growth mindset. Um, And I love your breakdown about the ownership of our lives and um, the victim mindset about our thoughts and our actions, the behavior, the language, and emotions. Um, I hope that I hit them all right. Um, <laughs> um, okay, okay, okay. Good, 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 good. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just really great, very clear about you know what it is that you're doing and what you're trying to reach out and give to the people and. That's awesome. And I love that you have really had an awakening with your daughter that this is, you know, that was really so exciting to hear. And what a great adventure that you have embarked it on. And, you know, from this point, you know, giving more, being more successful and just giving a great representation of who it is, who you are and the mission that you are living so that she can see a great example to follow in those steps. So... Pretty awesome, Dad. Pretty, pretty awesome, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but Thanks thank for you. having me, Chris. Yes, you yeah. are very, very welcome. We're going to check you out on that Instagram so we can see what's going on. 
For sure. Sounds good. Yes, you take care. Have an awesome day. Thanks, man. You too. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to all our listeners listening in to another episode of Glass Half Full, a podcast and a safe platform for everyone to share their life experiences. Once again, I'm your host, Chris Levins. Please subscribe, follow, and rate this podcast on Apple Music and Spotify for more learning experiences. Until next time, know you are blessed. See ya!